will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the only podcast that's water-resistant to a full 15 metres. If you're in need of a little fixing, why not get in touch at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or fill out the usefully anonymous form at hauntedphonograph.com. You know you want to, you little scamp. Joining me tonight, Hieronymus J. Doom, the impresario of the ill-fated Maggot Circus. Hello. Clary Maguire, who is not a bear. Honey's fucking rubbish. And I, of course, am Dave Condry, working ceaselessly to raise the profile of tired-looking men sat on park benches. Good evening. This week's questioner asks, Dear We Will Fix You, I need some help showing my wife that our family is more important than a meaningless fling with some pickled dipshit. Quite the conundrum. What say you, H.J. Doom? What we have here is a problem that is, much like the penis of the kangaroo, bifurcated. On the one hand, you love your family, and you don't want this unfortunate episode to lead to its collapse. On the other hand, your spouse really does need to learn some kind of lesson about how her selfish actions put your whole family in jeopardy. It seems to me that you need to go on an emotional journey, one that reaffirms the good things about your relationship, whilst showing her the bad things in her relationship with this lush. At the same time, you may want to know what it was that attracted her to this man and examine if there are any unmet needs in your own relationship that have helped her to make the hurtful decision to cheat. That all sounds like a tall order when I say it out loud, but fortunately, the noted academic and psychologist John Wu has provided an excellent template for resolving all of these issues in his film Face Off. In Face Off, crazed assassin Nicolas Cage steals the face of uptight FBI agent John Travolta. Travolta then steals Cage's face in return, and they spend a merry couple of hours living in each other's world before resolving their differences through the healing power of guns. Both Cage and Travolta go on an emotional journey. Cage finds himself seduced by the domestic stability of Travolta's life, and Travolta learns that letting his emotions out in mindless displays of drug-fueled violence can be a pretty good time. Travolta's wife initially feels pleased with the sudden change in her husband's behaviour. He seems more fun, more emotionally open, less closed off. But through the course of the film, she comes to understand that there are many downsides of being involved with a deranged psychopath. Once faces are restored to their proper ownership, everyone has learned a valuable lesson about life and no more than 50 people had to die in order to facilitate this epiphany. I think the message to take away from this is obvious. You need to steal the drunk's face. Now, I never went to medical school in the conventional sense, but I've watched a lot of body horror films and I used to self-harm a lot, so I'm fairly certain that it can't be that hard. There's no wiki how on this, I've checked, but I figure with a mirror, enough morphine, and a decent supply of scalpel blades, you'll probably be okay. Don't forget to give your hands a good rinse before you start, 
and run any medical implements you drop under a hot tap before continuing with the surgery. Safety first, people. Once you've swapped faces, you can go and live the life of a drunk, mixed with his friends and drinking companions, and learn what it was that made him so damn attractive to your wife that she was prepared to betray your marriage vows. Meanwhile, he'll be trying to navigate the manifold responsibilities of a stable relationship and demonstrating to your wife his terrible unsuitability as any kind of long-term partner. Now, she may initially find his spontaneity and his ability to sink pints at lunchtime attractive, but in time I'm certain that his unreliability will show through and she will start to wish that he, or you as she sees it, would go back to being a more stable person and stop picking fights with the furniture. That's when you swoop in, reveal the whole subterfuge and reverse the surgery. She's learnt to value what she has with you, you've learnt to drink in the morning, and the lush has been through two painful and potentially disfiguring surgical procedures. Everyone wins. Some tender fixing there, I think. Clary, what have you got to offer? I'm not touching that one with a shitty stick. But I still need to fill this time, so here's a really useful recipe for black beans. What you're going to need for this fix, slash really useful recipe for black beans, is you're going to need about a pound of black beans. You're going to need a large onion, just a standard onion. And you're going to need a large orange, preferably one without loads of pith. So not one of the big navel oranges, you know, not, not the big pumpkin in disguise, thick grinded oranges, but just a normal cheap eating or juicing orange. You're also going to need some vegetable stock, smoked chilli, ideally, you know, like a wee chipotle thing. You're going to need just loads of garlic. These are all things you should ideally have in your life for happiness anyway. So what you do is you take a pound of black beans. They're like a quid a bag. You can get them in, we, we get them in Waitrose because we are a sophisticated household with just money to burn. I mean, we, we if you've ever seen that documentary Queen of Versailles, where, you know, they're living in the wildly extravagant new build up to their ankles in dog shit. Uh, that's broadly our life. Except if you imagine that... If you imagine that documentary had been in a teleport accident with the bit in Quatermass, the Quatermass conclusion, where all the old people are living in kind of tunnels in the rubbish tip, like a cross between the Muppets and the Viet Cong. Or Viet Minh, of course, depending on which side you took in that particular conflict. So, you've got your onions. Onion, singular. You've got your orange. Orange, singular. You've got your pound of black beans. The pluralisation becomes complicated there because it's a pound singular, but it's beans many. Oh, the English language. You've got some vegetable stock. You've got whole dried chilies. You've got a fuck ton of garlic. 
I would say at minimum eight cloves. I think you, you, you could put a bulb in, it would be fine. So what you do, you put your pound of black beans into the pressure cooker. You put your garlic into the pressure cooker. You put your chilli into the pressure cooker. You peel your onion and you cut it. You don't cut it in half, but you cut it almost in half, leaving a little hinge so that if you wanted to hang it off a string like a Christmas card, you could. And you put that in with your beans. You cut the orange into halves or quarters. You squeeze them into your big pot of beans and nonsense and the squeezed quarters into the pot. You cover that with vegetable stock and you cook it in your electric pressure cooker on manual pressure for 35 minutes. You can do it on the stove top as well. I use an electric pressure cooker because as mentioned earlier, during the whole dog shit Quatermass bit, I am a sophisticated and wealthy individual. When the beans are finished, you can use them just as straight up beans. You can use them as the beans component of rice and peas. That's a very tasty way to use them. You can make yourself some burritos. You can puree bits of beans up and make a mole sauce. Basically, you've got a week's worth of beans minimum. And uh, really, it isn't, isn't that all any of us are looking for. It's oblique, but sometimes new strategies are needed. Thank you, Clary. I'm just going to slip back into my normal voice. He does it. I'm going to do it. So first off, an enormous uh, caveat. I have never been married. Um, I have only recently settled into a stable long-term relationship in my late 30s. So that's an enormous caveat, right? Big fucking caveat there. Bear it in mind. Just keep that at the forefront of your mind uh, while I dole out my advice. Have you considered turning your life and that of your family into a charming French farce? Something uh, something a bit Jacques Tati, uh, some, something a little Amelie-esque. I don't know how familiar you are with the sort of the, the, the sort of tenets of French slapstick, but it's relatively harmless and everyone seems to be having a nice time. So with the worst comes the worst, it would at least be a pleasant distraction. Figure out what you can do that will just charm the merry heck out of your wayward partner. Um, in Amelie, for example, there's some stuff with gnomes. Does your partner like gnomes? That might be it. Um, I think the thing to bear in mind here is that I have spent more time watching Amelie than I have in long-term relationships, so there's a chance that I'm a little biased here. What else could you do that's charming? You could, um, God, I don't know. 
go for a lovely boat ride and then fall in the water. You could have a hilarious hang gliding mishap. Maybe you could be walking down a busy street and your trousers could fall down hilariously. I, I don't know. what. What's important here is that you should focus on, first of all, making yourself happy in these actions. Charming someone is a, is a secondary part, but cheer yourself up. Be delightful. Spend less time than I do watching gentle French comedies. It ruins you. So there you have it. Three very different, very sensitive, very, dare I say it, appropriate fixes. If you would like similar help, why not write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or fill out the thoroughly, totally anonymous form at hauntedphonograph.com. That's where we live. Say goodnight, everybody.